Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Chrissy Grody, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind the scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves. And of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a Cincinnati Squash Academy board member and the head squash pro at Cincinnati Country Club. He's played squash professionally, coaches the sport, and is also the co-owner of B-Dog Sports. Please welcome Nathan Dugan. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for coming. I have so much to talk to you about. That quick little bio that you sent me with... (laughs) Lots of accomplishments. I have lots of questions. I think to set the stage, because it's not every day that I'm speaking to a squash professional. We met at Athleta. You were selling pickleball shoes. Correct. Yeah. And I was in the store and a a worker who listens to the podcast knows I play pickleball. And she's like, there's a guy out there selling pickleball shoes. And I was like, what? I have to go (laughs) understand what these shoes are and meet this guy. And so then we got to chatting and um, I'm just really interested to hear about how you got into the sport, what the sport actually is, (laughs) because I have very little knowledge. Yeah, I'm not a farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. That is... Do you ever give someone your business card and it says like head squash professional and they, they give you a look? Oh, for years when we started coming to play tournaments in the States, uh, everyone when you mentioned squash was automatically thinking vegetables and right. well, we get so many shirts from tournaments when they have you know, squashes and different things on there and you're like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> like I've heard this joke a lot. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I'm excited to hear all about the professional career, what made you get into the shoes, all that good stuff. So let's just, let's maybe start with the sport itself. You brought some really good props. I wish the listeners could see because we have a racket, we have a couple balls, but give us a rundown of squash as a sport. So squash, uh, unfortunately, is not in the Olympics. So if it was and it was on TV more, I think obviously more people would know what the game is, but it's in the Can-American Games, the Asian Games, the African Games, the Commonwealth Games. So it's in every other thing around the world, but it's not in the Olympics. Why isn't it in the Olympics? It's uh, it's politics, really. Oh, like everything. Yeah, we've been up top three and golf get in because Tiger Woods says he's going to play or then it's uh, they took wrestling out we get back in the top three and then they go oh we put wrestling back in again so it depends who's head of the Olympic committee and we've done different pushes we've we've had like Roger Federer campaigning for us and because uh, he used to play squash, um, so yeah, we—it's just one of those, yeah, one of those things. If if they want us, they'll want you, but they—they're quite picky, and mm-hmm. they feel like things like skateboarding right now are more trendy, and that's um, what's going to get the TV viewers. So yeah, okay, it's, it's that makes tough sense. To get in, but, All right, we're still working on it. But in Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but so we're we're an indoor racket sport. Um, I guess its closest relative here would be racquetball. Um, okay. So we have essentially four white walls is what you would think of for a regular club you go into. Yep. 
um, it's going to have a line on the front wall that's 19 inches above the floor. Okay. Which is like having a net on the front wall. So everything you hit has to be above that line. Got it. Whereas if you play racquetball, you can hit anywhere on the front wall. Okay, so, got it. So there's a few more guidelines. Uh, racquetball, you can play off the ceiling. Oh, yeah. And, and you can, but it still can ricochet off any wall. So okay. the squash court has an out of bounds line. So it has to stay below that line. So there's just more dimensions. Okay. Um, the ball goes a lot faster. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, you were telling me about yeah, this. Yeah, the record before. is 175 mile hour serve. When uh, you think an Andy Roddick, I think, has got the record for a tennis serve, which was 155 or somewhere okay. around there. So it, it goes fast. And the size, obviously, you saw the ball here, but it's the same size as a golf ball. Well, and Nathan, um, how fast did you hit the ball uh, so recently? Re- recorded <laughs> uh, with the singles ball, I've recorded having a hit of 161. But I was wow. playing a tournament this last weekend uh, in St. Louis, and it's a doubles ball, which is a rock, essentially. It's kind of like a hollow golf ball. Yeah. And we're essentially playing with a golf ball, hitting it around a garage. <laughs> and uh, and I got I, I did get a little uh, a love tap, I think my, my opponent tap. called it after he uh, <laughs> teed off on one and got me in the top of the leg. So uh, that was... Um, Oh. I'm a little black and blue. Like a today. bullet. It was it was like getting hit by a paintball from probably two feet away. Yeah. It was it was oh a probably hundred and seventy odd, hundred and eighty mile an hour getting that's <laughs> getting one right in the leg, yeah. That that's the other thing we were just talking about before we started recording, right? You know, when you think you're having a bad day, maybe you think about people that have it a little bit worse. I have some poison ivy right now, and so I'm like beating myself up, right? I'm like, oh man, this is the worst. And then to hear that you get hit with a ball or you're black and blue i'm like it could be worse chrissy it could be worse i know so I, I got i was out the night before on the patio uh staying at my friends and I, I had about six or seven bites from mosquitoes on my feet and i think it's got to be some of the worst place to get it is they're just itching the whole time yep. and yeah if you take, have a shoe on you can't get to it yeah you're walking up the carpet and you're trying to rub your uh-huh. foot half the time uh-huh. but, but no i after you get hit with a ball like that the sting yeah that made you forget about the feet yep was, <laughs> i know i this is perspective perspective yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it can be singles, it can be doubles. So the singles court is a 32 feet long, 21 feet wide. Okay. Um, with the softball. And then uh, the doubles, And it is soft, it is squishy. It's very soft, yeah. You, you It doesn't bounce. Uh, the, the better you get, the hotter it gets because the, the more you strike it, the harder you hit it the warmer the rubber gets and it mm. expands. Okay. So so when it expands, it becomes really quite bouncy, mm. um, mm-hmm. which is why when beginners start playing the game, it, it can be quite a challenge because they, they've got this ball and they're, they're whacking away and they're it's not, not hitting going, it very hard. Yeah. It just doesn't bounce, which doesn't means it's harder to get the rallies, so it's harder to get such a good workout. But, yeah. But certainly by the time you, you watch it at the top level, it's uh, yeah, your rallies go on for a decent amount of time and you're burning a 1,000 calories an hour because you're just... I mean, you, you're just moving you, all over. I mean, yeah. I just imagine you're almost like in a little container with the ball bouncing everywhere and you're trying to hit it and then also make it so the other person on the other side can't return it. Yes. Right? And you, but you've also got to clear at the same time. So you can't hit a ball and then stand in someone's way. You have to make sure you hit and clear. So um, there's a lot of strategy. Oh, there's a yeah. lot of using the height dimensions. So I've got to give myself time to get back to center court to cover the next shot. Um, so you can't just go for winners all the time. You've got to sort of set the point up. So there's oh, a lot of strategy. Yeah, okay. Whereas I think if you if you look at like, uh, I mean, I just watched that US Open girls tennis final, which was amazing seeing an yep. 18, 19 year old girl in the final and they're just going for it on every shot. Right. It's they're just so, trying to it's, like. It's so aggressive. Yeah. It's not so much setup play. And yeah. I mean, it's impressive, but it's, it's obviously high risk, which yep. it's not quite so much like that 
interesting the so there's a there's time. a mind game to it too yeah, physical you, and mental yeah if you try and hit the winner too soon you can put yourself out of position so mm. it's it's there's a lot of mental strategy which is what really brought me to the game actually as a junior in the first place cuz so i used to play uh, tennis you know so- soccer or every sport going pretty much and yeah. but then uh, it's just one of those sports that it just interested me mentally because you have to really think a lot more around the court as uh-huh. well as the physical. Yeah. And I also liked at the end of the game, if you lost, you couldn't blame someone else. Yeah. Whereas I could have had a great game playing soccer. We lose. Right. And there's nothing I did. Right. But the team's lost. And, you, and then you get that down feeling of losing. Whereas yeah. this, if, if I won, I, I played well or I did something yep. well. Whereas if I lost... It's all on you. It's all on me. So yeah, that individual. A lot more sport. mental games and a lot more mental stuff that you had to deal with yourself. Yeah. Um, which I think is all intriguing now as, as now will I coach it as well and pass it on because you, I mean, you, there's all these different emotions, especially with kids that they're learning as they come up. Yep. And yep. you're uh, and you're talking about now anger. That doesn't belong on a squash court. So when they start getting them, that anger, when they first start learning that emotion, you've got to understand how to control it. Oh, um, it's, sports are such a good way for em- kids to work through emotions. Or, I mean, it's funny. You coach the girls and you'll see the girl will come off after the first game and her comment will be, she's got the same skirt as me. And I think she wears it better than me. Oh. And I'm like, that's what you've been thinking about the whole first game? Uh-uh. You need to be <laughs> so, hit, whacking this ball, girl. Yeah, so the stuff that goes on with people's emotions when you're on a one-to-one sport is it really sets them up for life. Because if yep. you can deal with that, you're certainly going to be able to deal with yeah. a job interview or something right. else because you you learn so many life lessons. Yeah, that's really interesting is, that you know, what's maybe happening there with that young lady, right, is that She's, she's nervous about the match. She doesn't know if she's going to be good enough. She doesn't know if someone's going to beat her at this sport. But the first instinct is like, well, let me like make it be about what we look like. Right. Like, yeah. let me like release this anxiety through like what we look like. It just is such an illustration of how internalized that is for for it, girls. Well it's, for, it, well, it's not just girls. I mean, it's yeah. just, it doesn't matter how good you are. Everyone has insecurities. And that's, right. That's the, that's the interesting thing I think about that sport really brings out. And uh, you, know, you could be the most confident job interviewer going, but you go into a certain situation, you're going to feel uncomfortable at times. Oh, that's how and I felt when I first started playing pickleball. I right. was so intimidated. I could barely walk up to the court to, to all the other people playing. I didn't want to put my paddle in the board with everyone else because I didn't want to go out with people I didn't know and start playing the sport. Right. I was really nervous. And then you've even got the greats of, of sports that people know, like a Roger Federer, who, you know, He's won so many events and so many majors, but then when he goes to play Nadal, he had this terrible record with Nadal, and you play Nadal on clay, and everyone knows Nadal's the king of clay, and he, you could see he just has this whole different oh, mindset. There's yeah. no confidence, and and you've got this legend, and you can see how they also struggle with confidence in these situations yep. too. So yep, everyone does. I think that's a really neat thing about sport in general. Yeah, uh, that just really sets you up for dealing with different situations, and obviously especially with these kids. That, Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough it's a pressure cooker they're going into they're in a fishbowl yeah everyone's looking at them from yeah. outside the court no one can Your help balls you while flying you're at there. you yeah yeah and you're, you're dealing with physical exertion and you've got to still mentally control yourself while you've got the emotion of beating someone or losing to someone and does it mean you're now getting to the final or, and then whatever the stage of the tournament even more pressure's going on or i was the number one seed and how you deal with that there's, there's, yeah. a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that that goes with the sport mentally that really intrigues me. Yeah. So, so when did you start playing? I started when I was six. Six years um, old. Yeah. My my dad um, 
so I was at a little village just outside of Windsor uh-huh. and uh, they had a, it, like most clubs, there's a lot of little villages, towns in England. And, and is squash everywhere. very popular? Over yeah, there. there's more courts in England than any other country in the world. Okay. And we're the size of Illinois, but we've got this massive amount of courts. So. Okay. So this is like when, you know, for example, American kids growing up, like everyone would play softball or baseball or football or Right. Everyone, soccer. I mean, when everyone plays yeah, soccer and then, I mean, tennis is played at schools and stuff. But, yeah. But there was enough of it around that there's a good chance most people got exposed at some point okay. or, or certainly knew what it was. Right. And uh, so my local club had uh, supports. My dad played. My mum had played. And um, I guess my dad had taken me on the tennis courts first and I played some ping pong at the house. Uh-huh. I always had dartboard at the house and pool and snooker tables. My yeah. grandfather played a lot of snooker, so I was always playing Wait, something. Wait, what? Snooker? Snooker, yeah. That's what a, is that? Snooker's like a um, pool on steroids. It's like a 12-foot by 6-foot table. Okay. And the balls are these s- little bit smaller than a pool ball, but the pockets are quite tight. But you have uh, it's, but it's the same idea with a cue. Oh, okay. White ball hitting Gosh. colors and scoring points. Okay, it's, okay, it's, got it's it. A, it's, a, it's a lot harder than pool, but... Um, so what you're saying is you're doing a lot of hand-eye coordination things at yeah, a very early age, is yeah, what I'm no, hearing. Yeah, my, I think my friends, but they'd be, I mean, this is, I'm getting on a bit now, I'm 46, so I, so this is, there was no game machines and consoles, and yeah. Spectrums and Commodore 64s were just starting to uh-huh. hit the market, so um, if you were on a computer, you were trying to program to make a ball bounce the screen more so than do anything really fun on it. Yeah. So... Where you know my friends would be watching Night Rider or going to you know going to Cubs or doing something <laughs> like that, I'd be in the garden just hitting a ball against the wall, and um, we had these uh, tether balls mm-hmm. when it was in the garden. Yeah, and uh, apparently my dad would get home from work. And my mum would say, you need to get out there and get him in. He, he won't come in. He won't eat. He won't do anything. And I'd keep wearing out the patches of grass in the garden because yep. they had to keep moving it because I'd just be out there for hours just whacking this whacking ball. whacking it. So I guess my dad uh, was up there talking to the coach of the local uh, junior program and said, you know, I'd like to get my son up and see if he, if he does all right. And they said, well, he's a bit young. Mm-hmm. Maybe bring him back in a couple of years. And he said, well, no, he's, he hits the ball okay, so... Maybe just give him just try just, just try it one yeah. week. So he must have uh, he must have bought him a couple of beers. I think he somehow <laughs> convinced him to uh, to let me come along. So I come along at nine o'clock with all the other little guys, and you have to bounce the ball on the racket. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, done it." Yeah, really. And then they maybe do it again with the other side. And I said, "No, nope, done it." And they said, "Well, hit a few against the wall." And they just I hit some against the wall, and they're like. Okay, get off. Come back again in half an hour. So I come back with the next group. They said, well, come back with the next group. So all of a sudden, I'm hitting with these 12-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. There's this little six-year-old. And, you know, by the time I was 11, I'd won the men's club championships and playing for the men's county team at 14 and stuff like this. So, wow. Yeah, and then you sort of get picked for the England teams. And then you sort of think, actually, I'm, I'm not bad at this. So, yeah, when, when was the moment where you were like, okay, wait a minute. Is it like I could be a professional athlete? So that that happened. I think I was eleven. Oh my god, that's and, uh, so young. Yeah, I, I was. When we were in the England squads, we got given these tickets to go to Wembley and watch the British Open, and this was the the pinnacle event. I mean, everyone was all the legends have all been known by how many British Opens they won before. Right. World Championship is now a big deal, but at the time, the British Open was the was the big thing. It was like Wimbledon. Yeah. So um, we'd go down, and I remember going into this venue and watching, and because you can set a court up anywhere, it's, you can set this glass up, and they put it. They just recently had one by the pyramids. It can be. It's oh, been in Boston wow. Symphony Hall. It's been in Grand Terminal. Okay. Uh, New York, where they, they they can put it up anywhere. Okay, that um, makes sense. 
I'd like I'd like to put one up actually here at the uh, Union Terminal here. You should do, do that. A, do a court It'd be pretty cool. But uh, I went to this match and I was watched Jahangir Khan, who was the number one in the world and this legend that I'd sort of seen on TV. And you're just in this venue and you're just hearing the noise in the dark, dark room with this bright lit court in the middle and the whole music and the whole thing playing. Oh, I'm yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure like, it's a spectacle. Oh, yeah, I, w- I want to do that. Yeah. And <laughs> do so, that. yeah, so ever since I've been probably 11, I always knew. And I started coaching when I was about 12. Oh. Because um, I was already, say, winning the men's club champ. So I always go down there and start teaching the kids. And then I was teaching adults. And then all the adults in the club are coming to me for advice as a 12-year-old. And Oh, my gosh. So I, I kind of was like, well, this is what I want to do. Which do you is, think this was... Do you ever had that a, a feeling of like, well, this is a natural aptitude. Like, this is what I should be doing. Like, I'm on a path of like doing what I should be doing. Yeah, there was there was nothing else that really even interested me at one point. I mean, because you had to at school fill out careers things and what you might want to do for college yeah. or this sort of stuff. And so, and I, you know, we do a, um, a twelve plus test in the county I was in. So the top five percent go to the grammar schools. No one else goes to the comprehensives. Okay. So I. I'm in the top 5%, so I go to the grammar school, so I'm at this school where, you know, all the smart kids are, so your yeah. path is supposed to be college and this yes. and this. So I did the 16 is when we graduate high school, and then I stayed on for two years to do my A-levels to get myself a place in college. But the only thing I could even really think of was well, maybe leisure management or oh. sports management of some yeah, sort. Right. <laughs> it still was going to be in the sporting field you somewhere. Had, you couldn't get away from it. And then my teacher said, well, you, you know, you've got to think of something outside sports. So I was like, well... Maybe I could be a chef. Yeah. I don't know. I like eating. Yeah, right. You're like, <laughs> if so, I have to pick something. I'm like, yeah. So it's got to be something I enjoy doing. So, and by then I'd already done a lot of coaching mm. and uh, I was already getting in, say trouble in school, but I was, I was getting away with things because uh, I was playing for England one night oh, against yeah, France. Right. And uh, so I, the place we were playing was about two hours from home. So by the time I get home that night and I was playing number one for the team, I beat this guy Thierry Linku who was a uh, future became world number one and uh you know great night real buzz I was two love down came back to win three two oh, so wow. one of these highlights and and uh so next day go to school and I'm I'm a little late only by you know 20 minutes or so but uh-huh. I get into a sort of registration everyone's already there and I come in and I'm like, a little bit late and it just happened to be that my regular year head or regular teacher wasn't there and it was the year head that was doing our registration that morning and they said to me, you know, why are you late? I said, well, I was playing squash last night. I was playing for England and I, we didn't get into really late. So I just, yeah. I just overslept just a little bit. I'm sorry. And she went, she said, well, you need to get your priorities right. Oh, okay. So I turned around and went, well, I have. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is so what I'm doing. Yeah. So that, that's, that gave me a nice little trip down to the headmaster's office and uh, explained myself. And, and the funny thing was the headmaster, his comment was, are we, we going to be in the paper again? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we'll be in the paper for it. And he's like, excellent, good job. So I used to get away with things because he said, as long as you're in the paper, we don't care. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so funny. So p- do, would people like around your town like know who you were were you like a little bit of a celebrity um yeah i mean everyone well obviously all the adults knew who i was i was on in the papers a bit around there but then yeah the kids at school it was kind of weird because i had the relationship with all the adults mm. so i would go into the club and they would be getting kicked off the pool tables or mm, kicked out mm-hmm. of the bar or whatever and i'd just be captaining yeah. the team so right. i'm the one hanging in there organizing the stuff right. so you're coaching so i them, had a very yeah, yeah i had a complete different relationship with a lot of the oh that's interesting the members so i it was it wasn't always 
easy sort of fitting in with the other kids because yeah. every weekend, I mean, you see, I guess, other sports on TV where they, they do background stories and see what they maybe sacrificed to get as good as they mm-hmm. did. So, you know, weekends, I'm away at tournaments. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm a two-hour drive away doing homework in the car, yeah. doing tournaments a weekend, coming back while maybe my friends are all around someone's house doing a, some birthday party. So, right, so right. you miss out on a lot of the social things that kids did yeah. in in one element, but then I don't regret it because my social life was actually all these squash players I was hanging out with yep. that we all had the same thing in common. And, and they're actually, a lot of those guys now live in America and some of the best friends, and all my friends read the squash world, not, not yeah. school friends. So um, it just took you in a different path. But yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So how long did you compete professionally? So I, uh, yeah. I started it was tough to get in. So mm. I, I turned pro when I left school at 18. Okay. And I moved here when I was 25. So it was only really seven years. Okay. Um, but it was very difficult to break into the pro tournaments because you couldn't get into the tournaments because you didn't have any points. But you couldn't get the points because you couldn't get into the tournaments. Oh, so the classic way they, catch 22. Th- exactly. <laughs> so the way it worked, if you had 32 people could get into the tournament, the highest 32 that entered got in. Well, if you were now 50 on the list didn't matter if you could beat everyone else there you just couldn't get into the tournament so wow. so you could play things that weren't world ranking wise but it was tough to uh to get in for the world ranking so my first tournament that I got into was was in England British Open so the tournament I'd seen as a kid I now playing yeah and uh what was that feeling like it was it was pretty special just playing it the first time because you've got the world number one is in the draw with you and you can see all these people that are, you're And like the world number one is like the best person in the world yeah. playing squash. And these are people that are legends that you're you're now on the same tournament sheet as these yeah. people. And so, yeah, I had to, uh, I won against a Pakistani player first round. Then I played this Aussie guy who turned up in like tennis shoes, which you don't play squash in tennis shoes. Which we're so. going to get to the appropriate right. footwear so, coming up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> played, played this guy in tennis shoes and, and, and he was... I ended up beating him 3-2, and I was really disappointed that I'm beating this guy in tennis shoes 3-2. He <laughs> later became four in the world and was a very wow. good player. Yeah. <laughs> Quite talented. Pretty good result when I look back on it. But at the time, you're like, oh, how Like, I who's this that? joker showing up yeah. in the wrong shoes? And then uh, then I beat another guy to get through the pre-qualifiers just to get to the qualification. Now I'm in the proper qualification, which is now where you can earn your first points. Mm, but I've still okay. got to win a match. <sighs> so then I beat this guy who was from Germany. He was like 31 in the world. So get now points. So now I can get off the mark, which was huge. Then I played wow. a guy who was world junior champion, a Malaysian guy who got to 10 in the world. So I beat him next round. So it's now my sixth match. And, I, and I, how long are these matches? Each match, they're, they're pushing about an hour. Yeah, so you're going on like your high, sixth high hour. intensity. Well, well you and these these are back to back days now. So I'm now six oh, yeah, days okay, into okay, the got tournament, it, got it. Um, and I lose this. I was one love up, winning the second game, and then my wheels just completely fell off. And mm. if anyone's ever heard the expression like you know running into a brick wall or you hit the wall, oh yeah, when you physically hit the wall when you're playing sport, it's just nothing you can do. Your legs, no, are, I know, your legs are cramping. You're done. I'm not seeing marathon runners and they and when they hit that wall and they just go down. I mean, there's. There's no Gatorade that's saving you. you no. just you've got to that no, point. No, you've so. you've physically come to the end of your road. Yep. Yeah. So end up losing to this guy, um, but it meant I got points. Still got no prize money because I didn't get into the main draw. I needed one more that one more win to get to the main draw and prize money. But and if I'd got through that one, I'd have had the four in the world in the first round. And but it was it was just such a fun experience playing it. And I'm like, yeah, I can I can do this. So yep. So yeah, then uh, that started the the playing. And so you sent me a world number. What? So I got to 52 
Um, 52 in the whole entire world. Yeah, yeah. That's beat pretty lots impressive. Of, beat lots of players in the top 10 and a few world number ones on the way. But uh, I it, don't know, uh, like, maybe anyone else that's 52 in the world in anything <laughs> that they do. <laughs> yeah. So you that's have to, pretty impressive. You have to travel a lot of ways, a lot of long way around the world to do it. I did a couple of tours in South America. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you, I've been to over 50 countries. Wow. And... I mean, I've I lost count of how many times I've been to France or Germany because I played for a team in Paris. I mm. played for a team in Stuttgart. So you would be, you know, I lived in England in 1997 and I had a home address that was really close to the airport because I always needed to be close to the airport. Yeah. And uh, I, I look back on it and I was in the country for five weekends only that year. Wow. Every Every other weekend I was abroad somewhere and it was always playing. It wasn't there's no vacationing it was all just traveling and right do you do anything or did you do anything outside of playing to keep you like physically fit or is playing enough no there was a lot of stuff yeah um, especially if you so we had kind of a season at that point um mainly sort of september through till about april time okay so when you got to the off season you would try and take off I might even try and take three, four weeks where I just didn't see a court. Like you, you didn't touch a rack, I didn't touch a ball. Yeah, and you would be doing track work in the morning. So you're doing your 400s, 800s, or you're trying to, as you got close to the season, doing 200s, 100 sprints. And oh, okay. So short, short distances. Yeah, I'd be doing hill sprints. Oh, yeah. So you go somewhere like Arms Park and find yourself a hill that oh, you don't really want to walk worst. up. Sprint up it. I've down, been, I've been like running the times. UC Nippert Stadium steps. Mm-hmm, steps. Which is, the, in my opinion, just like the worst. Yeah, and steps are a little hard because you have to do. Yeah. Play, watch where your feet are going. You can't. When you get tired, you can't just keep grinding. When you and when I would go up a field because it was too steep for a car essentially, and you would go up this is steepest thing you could find, and you would just run up it until you. And you often threw up when you did it. Yeah. You push yourself that hard, but <laughs> then but once I've you had that up, feeling many times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you throw up and you just carry on and you just go down and you keep going. Oh like, gosh. Mm. But again, until you've pushed your body to those extremes you don't know what you're capable of right and uh certainly with amateur players in pretty much any sport uh you see people quit yeah. very early oh yeah whether it's a marathon whether it's doing whatever and you, oh your and mind's going to stop way before right. your body will yeah so yeah. you have to know what you've done and what you're capable of doing and then but yeah you track work weights gym okay all sorts of other stuff yeah. okay so there's also kind of do you have a name for it like so i, I swam and so when we would call we would call it dry land Okay. Like the training we would do outside of swimming. Is there a name for it? Do you have a name for it? Like off? Um, no, just brutal. Just brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Running yeah, up pain. a hill until you throw yeah. up sounds pretty pain. brutal. Yeah. And then you'd be doing three sessions a day because you're not now on court maybe. So you would do a lot more physical stuff. Um, and then during the season, but my, I mean, my average day would be you get up, try and get out of bed without limping because you feel so sore from the training you've done the day before. Oh, then you do a training session. Then I try and drive to the next place, but fit a lesson somewhere in between because I need to make some money to pay the rent. So mm. you're not getting paid for training. Yep. So you do a lesson. Then you go and train with someone else, whether it's gameplay or routines, probably for another hour and a half. Leave that, go to do about three lessons from when the kids are finished from school. So coach from four to six. And then six o'clock drive either to... And people that know England, either Hampshire, which is the south coast, or into London, or maybe even the way to Wales, which is on the west coast, like anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours to then play a match against another pro because we're getting paid to play at number one and they uh-huh. want to see you play each week. So, yeah. And we would have a win bonus 
but we're talking a win bonus of like forty fifty dollars. Oh, okay. So you're getting paid maybe anywhere from fifty fifty bucks to a hundred bucks to turn up to play, <sighs> and but you would be putting like ten bucks in the car just to get you to the match. Right. Right. Wait till you got paid that night so you could fill up enough to then get you around the next few days because you just it was tough to make money. How um, how did you sustain that? What did you have to do for your body? Like were you nutrition, hydration, like that's so much physical activity. Yeah, hydration huge. I mean, I had a a masseuse at the club that was one of my sponsors. Okay. Um, yeah. I push a lot of people to go to him. So I probably have three massages a week. I was mm. on the physio table probably a week doing acupuncture. Mm. Oh, you do acupuncture? Like dry needling. Yeah. Uh, needles with the electric shocks. Oh, yeah, I've done that. All that yeah. stuff. There was another machine I used to get on every week, which was kind of like the rack, and it stretched you, and you had a panic button, so if it stretched you too you're far... You're kidding me. No, just because you had to sort of stretch your spine out to make sure you're not getting too tight, and because your muscles are getting wow. so strong, and that you can spasm a lot. And yep, yep. So now there was a lot of continuous injury prevention stuff uh-huh. more so than waiting to get injured and then hitting the table because yeah. by then you're now missing too much time no right you have to yeah. you have to take care of yourself and on the back of your mind you always had that thought well if i'm not doing this someone else is doing more mm. so i've got to get fitter than the other person sure. to try and beat the other person sure. so so the danger of a of a good pro is always overtraining yep yeah under training right so i used to wear a heart rate monitor and because uh, i'd be doing 400 meter sprints and I think I'm going so slow because if I look at my watch, I'm like, it took me 90 seconds to do that thing. I'm, I mean, what's going on? But then I could look at my heart rate and my heart rate could be up at 200 and I know I'm really pushing it. Right. But it, I'm just I'm just so fatigued yes, or maybe I've exactly. got a cold coming down. Yeah. Your just, body just can't do it. Right, so, right. Yeah. And it's more about like the the effort going in, right, w- right. when you're training versus like yeah, getting is, a PR every time. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's all about making sure now if, if my heart rate was at you know, 150 and I'm doing that, I'm like, well, I'm wimping out. I mm-hmm. need to push myself because it's, it's always quality mm-hmm. over quantity. Yeah. And that's a key thing for anyone training is quality over quantity. Right. And uh, it's very easy, though, to get sucked into the quality thinking, well, if someone else is doing it for an hour, I need to do an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, I see all these schools now it's just really quite sad actually um when i first moved here 22 years ago people would be on school teams and they still had time to go and play other sports they still mm-hmm. could do things now it's got to a point where all these schools are so competitive with each other mm. that the people on that school board are saying well that school's practicing three days a week so we need to practice four days a week and now the next school's practicing five days a week and they're still expecting them to do matches on a saturday and they're wondering why they get to the match. The kids are exhausted. Of course. And there's all these injuries I'm seeing over here, which never happened when I was growing up as a kid, from growth plates of like hips and knee, all these growth plate injuries. And I'm like, well, that never happened when I was a kid. It's overtraining. And because and, they're doing the same repetitive muscle movement over all the and over time, again. they're not getting the balance of doing lots of different sports, which yeah. is so much healthier for you. Yeah. So, yeah, overtraining is a big thing as a pro that you're very aware of. Mm-hmm. But when you come here now, there's a lot of kids that are. You know, and these a lot of these coaches. Are, oh, more, 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 more is better. More is better. More is better. Right. And let's be honest. A lot of these coaches are either parents mm. or they're math teachers or someone. Yeah, that just right. Is volunteering to do that yeah. team. They have no clue about body mechanics and, and injury prevention, yeah, and nutrition, all this sort of stuff. So yeah, right. it, it is a little scary over here. How many injuries I'm now seeing? Oh, that is with kids and a little worried to see what happens even 15, 20 years down the line sure. when these kids are all like thirty, thirty-five. Sure. Are exactly. they still going to be able to play sports to what 
people like I should be able to do right. by having more of a balance. So. What about nu- for, for nutrition? What were you thinking about nutrition? So nutrition, well, it was it was really making sure you had enough protein yeah. because you and you'd be just you'd be tired all the time. Yeah, so, I I was talking to um, someone that played football in college, and he had like a certain. Um, you know, meal plan allowance, whatever. His biggest anxiety basically was like, I- I'm not going to get enough food. Because it's like, the, it's the expenditure of energy. It's like, you just have to be eating. Yeah, I found, a f- I think just hearing, I mean, I don't know too many pro footballers here, but but the, I think they don't necessarily control quite so much the health of what they eat. No, the but yeah, so yeah, They yeah. just take it in calories. Yeah, all, they need to take in calories. Yeah, I mean, there's, those are, those are big different guys. for you. Yeah. yeah. So for us, it was all about, I had 8% body fat and you don't want to go below 8% because that starts becoming unhealthy. Okay. Um, suppose, so when we do our tests and fitness tests, we would readily get the calipers mm, and check, mm-hmm. make sure you're not too lean. And so what's the risk of being too lean? Um, you're going to get a lot more illnesses. Mm. Um, chronic fatigue yeah. is a, is a big one. Um, yeah. your body can stop processing iron or stop processing stuff mm-hmm. that you need. So yeah, you, you can't get too lean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to be, any excess weight because you've got to be super quick around the court. Right. So I didn't eat anything, no fried foods. Yeah. Um, but then you weren't just focusing on salads because you, you were fine having carbs with bread and stuff because yeah, you, you're burning yeah. off so much. But right. but you, you stuck away from, certainly when I was in tournaments, you didn't eat actually that much fish. Oh. Because especially when you're abroad or at a tournament, because okay. if you're going to get a bad meal, yeah, right. <laughs> it's much more likely to be a dodgy piece of fish than yeah, it is a, dodgy pizza. a pizza. So, <laughs> right, right, so right. when you're playing, you're very careful about what you ate and things like spicy food. I love spicy food now, but I would never eat spicy food as a player because you wake up in the morning and you... Something's wrong with the tummy. Yeah, yeah you've got yeah. a hot fire in the hole and you don't <laughs> want to be doing that when you're about to go on court and run around. So. No, 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 no. Um, but, but hydration was huge. I mean, you always had a drink in your hand. I did a lot where, and this is funny actually, um, things like Gatorade, sports drinks, Propels, they weren't around when I started playing. Uh-huh. And those started coming in towards the enemy playing. But uh, I used to have a drink a lot in the morning, which was half Coke, half milk. What? Everyone says that. It sounds, sounds disgusting, doesn't it? But it's great. Half Coke, half milk. One of my favorite drinks. It's like a cream soda, maybe? So if you think of having a root beer float or you have like a, okay. a Coke float okay. and you put your ice cream in it. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, the difference is instead of having a, a blob of solid stuff and wait for it it's to melt, melted. it's already, you just have to put the Coke in first. Otherwise, it bubbles up everywhere. But the idea, I was, I was watching, uh, I read an article and Linford Christie was a 100-meter uh, sprinter for Great Britain back in the 90s. He either won gold or silver at the Olympics. And there was an article I read about his nutrition, all his training. Sure. And he, he did this Coke and milk. So I'm like, oh, I'll give it a go. And it, you get the protein from the milk. milk. You've got sugar from the Coke. So, okay. so when I would train in the morning, you would get quite lightheaded because you just hadn't got enough in your system. Right. Yet. And you're trying and to you push yourself like, hard. you didn't want to like eat a heavy meal because you're running around. No, and you would just get lightheaded. You would get faints. You'd come off and you'd get like a Snickers bar or you'd get like yeah. a Coke or something just to get some sugar to mm-hmm. keep you going. But I would do um, I'd do one of those in the morning to get my going. Then you always had like a big bottle of water and you'd often put like a Coke in the water. Because if you just kept drinking things like sugary drinks like Coke, it became too much. But yeah. if you diluted it, it kind of lasted over time and it made – because you can only drink so much water. Which now you, like, they have like gels and tablets right. and powders. Exactly. And so we kind of were BCAAs, making yeah. – we were all experimenting and was making our own sort of Gatorade <laughs> energy drinks by putting stuff in water because you can only drink so much before you just like, I just wow, can't drink so any more water. But So, yeah, water was a lot. And then um, we did a lot of uh, – 
I did a lot of candies, mm. um, but not chocolates and stuff. But like, um, you can get them in jungle gyms, but they're English wine gums, Maynard's wine gums. And they had, um, it was the same sort of sugar in the wine gums that you got from like grapes or fruit. Oh, interesting. So it was very quick to digest. Yeah. So if you were traveling to a match and you've been training all day and coaching and you've now got to go and play a match against someone, you're trying to keep awake in the wheel while you're driving. Right. I mean, it's raining in England and you've got this miserable windscreen wipers going everywhere and you're trying to stay awake and you've now got to run around and play someone. So you're drinking Just and I'm, I'm doing a pack yeah. of these wine gums. Yeah. And you're, you're doing anything to try and get you that instant burst. And then, that's that's how I feel about high chews. Have you ever had a high chew? I've not, no. Okay, well, I have four pounds of high chews downstairs, so I will give you a few <laughs> high chews to try. Um, but I feel it the same way. I like keep them around if I'm like, out and about, I'm like, oh, I just need like a little quick, little quick pick me up. I'll just like have a little high chew. It's not at all a healthy way to sustain energy, but so is it it's like a, is it a candy or yeah, is it's it a candy? It's a candy. It's, oh, a candy. Okay. <laughs> it's they're delicious. <laughs> I love them. It's actually more so just because they're good. I think, and I tell myself, well, you know, if you're out and you haven't don't have a snack, like that's what you can do. No, you just want to eat candy. Like that's what you want. <laughs> Everyone's going to have a little sweet tooth for something. Yeah, right? It's a little sweet treat. Everyone has to be able to cheat every now and then. Exactly, exactly. So what brought you to the States? So I was, uh, let's see, it was uh, 99, and I was playing a tournament in Chicago. And uh, It's like, I can't, the sport's not very popular here, obviously. No, so so in 94, it was a big thing, actually, for the game. Uh, 1994, the game changed in America as we know it. There was a... The court used to be 18 and a half feet wide and the singles was played with a hard ball as well. The rest of the world was all playing with this softball, but America, Canada, and Canada had softball as well, but they did still have some of this hardball and there was some in Mexico, but no one else was playing this version. So they're like, well, if we're going to be able to compete globally at this game, we need to play the same version. Obviously like everyone consistent. else is playing. So, yeah. so like the country club used to have hardball courts. They changed them to the softball. So there's very few of them around now. But uh, 94 is when that happened and they, the colleges started changing to softball. Mm. So when I came over to play a tournament in 99, I won the tournament. I beat a guy called John White who became world number one um, in the final. He was, I think he was like 16 or so in the world at the time. Wow. And of course, it, people over here like sports. They like seeing winners. And I got offered three different jobs while I was in Chicago that week. And when you're in England, you're trying to figure out how to fill up the car yes. to get to the next match. and Everyone's saying, when are you going to get a real job? And I'm thinking, you you try doing what I do for a yeah, every day. I'm exactly. like, it's the whole wife swap thing here. You know, when everyone's saying, yep, yep, do yep. a day in their uh-huh, shoes. Uh-huh. I'm like, gosh, I mean, it's brutal trying to do what I'm doing. And then you don't get money for it. It's hard because it wasn't on TV enough. So you really have to work hard to sort of be inventive yeah. how to pay the rent. No, you got to really love this sport is what I'm hearing too. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. You Because it's so much your passion, you, you don't really care that you only made $1,000 for winning that tournament. Yeah. Whereas now the prize money is a lot better. But uh, while I was there, I got offered these jobs and they're, they're just sort of throwing money at you. You're thinking, wow, that's... Sounds pretty that's good. That's actually that's quite, that's quite enticing. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll do it for, I'll do it for a couple of years and then I'd pay off some of the debt I've got. So... <laughs> I did it for three years uh-huh. and then found I quite enjoy living in Chicago. And oh, yeah. Funny enough, I'd seen movies like Love Actually where the guy goes to the bar and he says, and the girls are saying, I'll oh, say that again when he says bottle. Like, oh, yes. Again, bottle. Oh, yes. I yeah. know that movie well. One exactly, of my favorites. Exactly. Well, you go out in England and say that, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Whereas uh-uh. over here, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, people want to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was nice. You sound so smart. <laughs> yeah. So... It was, it was, I actually really liked being different. 
yeah. and being unique, which mm-hmm. is funny. Sometimes I think people have issues not fitting in. Oh, yeah. Or definitely. have that consciousness of not fitting in. Yeah. And what I discovered was when I moved here, I actually really quite enjoyed being yeah. unique or different and yeah. something just yeah. not like everyone else. Yeah, that makes But sense. we go out at night and everyone's saying, oh, what school do you go to? And I've got no idea. I mean, I don't know the schools, their mascots and all the guys are talking about sports teams. Oh, yeah, especially and... here in Cincinnati, they're going to ask. Yeah, right. Of well, in Chicago, it was all about sports or uh, school. Okay. And I'm like, well, I haven't done any of that. So anything else you can talk about? Right. Like, have you traveled anywhere? Right. <laughs> no, Maybe can we talk about something right, of substance? Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, we don't have passports. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> this, could be, this could be a long night. Um, but Do it, you want to hear me say bottle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so it just was interesting. And then I kind of enjoyed the lifestyle. I enjoyed mm-hmm. what the that people over here actually respected sport and actually mm. enjoyed it. And then I could start running tournaments. Mm. So I really enjoy being a sports promoter now. So now I do a lot of professional, I didn't list that, but I, I run a lot of tournaments. Oh, um, nice. We run a 50K women's pro event at the club. Oh, cool. Um, at one point I was running the biggest women's pro event in the US. Wow. Uh, and I was on the board of the the World's Women's Association. Um, so I was getting heavily involved in as the promoter side, which was really really fun to I do. I mean, you get to like stay in the sport that you love. Well, it's fun. I said as an 11-year-old, I went and saw this tournament. Well, now I'm actually running this tournament and these wow. people are all coming in and I'm actually putting this on for all, all these other 11-year-olds to now see. Yeah. So it's gone kind of full circle, which That's has really been cool. really quite exciting. Um, so there's lots of ways to stay in the sport without yep. being just on court hitting. So, right, right. So which got me to the shoes but um yeah well let's talk about because you're i mean you're still playing now too right you just yep i'm playing a yeah. couple of weekends i'll be playing nationals in philadelphia so i'm gonna go and uh should as long as i don't fall over and hurt myself win the over 45 so it'd be another That's another great. national title it's kind of it's kind of fun getting just a few national titles on your resume here oh yeah sure of course just a so, few national titles yeah. <laughs> okay wait actually before we get to the shoes what do you what do you do currently to stay in shape what are you doing so uh, I had a I had a bit of an epiphany when I was in uh, I went to China for the shoes um, a couple of years ago, and you get so much more done when you travel and go out there compared to the samples being sent backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to the manufacturers' warehouses, and then I went to the Philippines afterwards. Yeah, and I wanted to do and I like diving, so I was going to go and do all this stuff, beachy dives and all this. Stuff. And I was on the beach, and I just I couldn't take my shirt off. I was a, I'm an athlete that's supposed to look good and I was, I was up to about 195 pounds and I'm only 5'11", so anyone knows me, that's, that's pretty heavy on me. Uh-huh. And I just, I wasn't comfortable about Were you still body. playing though? Well, that's the problem. I was trying. Oh. Um, and I, I did, I actually played nationals and I won nationals in the over 40s and I saw myself on the video I know you got the commentators and the commentators said, oh, in his, his younger days, he would have tried this shot. And I'm like, well, I was just too slow to get there. I'm like, but I looked at, I just didn't look good there. Mm. I mean, they say camera puts on 10 pounds. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure about that. This mm. camera was putting on about 30 pounds. Yeah. I, I looked terrible. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't flattering. And I was like, okay, I need to change this. And then just being on the beach and just feeling really self-conscious not about yeah. not what your body looks like, which that's not something, you know, I've ever been used to as a sports person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I uh, I thought, okay, I need a motivation. I need something to sign up for that will actually make me, give me a reason to lose lose some weight. So, mm-hmm. so I uh, I started doing the intermittent fasting where I which took out breakfast. Oh, okay. So I haven't eaten breakfast for unless I'm playing a match and I need some 
food before I'm playing and I've got an earlier match. Yep. I, I haven't eaten breakfast pretty much now for almost two years. Wow. Um, I still make sure I'm hydrating a lot. Initially, for the first three months, I was doing a lot of salads and stuff just to help lose the weight. But then uh-huh. I was doing, I was always working out in the morning yep. uh, before I did anything uh, for lunch. Yep. Whether it's like even, fasted. Even if it was just walking the dog and doing something, some exercise of some sort. Um, I was trying to get, I started doing some uh, spin classes. I mm. uh, was going down cycle bar and doing a bit oh, of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, I was doing 200 sit-ups a night before I went to bed every night. Oh. So when you go by doing that, you're obviously you're burning calories while you're sleeping because your body's repairing the, the damage from the sit-ups. Right, okay. So it was kind of means I was even at sleep, I was kind of continuously working calories. So I lost, within three months, I lost 30 pounds. Wow. And, and did you know just from years of being a professional athlete training, like, okay, I know this is how to do it. Or did you have someone help you through that? No, I, I kind of looked at a few different options because obviously people are so much, I say smarter. They're just more available now in yeah. different diets to different theories. Right. So you have to, you have to find something that suits you. And we're all so different. Exactly. You know, like you're telling that plan that worked well for you. That's not going to work for everyone. Right. And you found something that worked for you. Something, something obviously being a, from being a pro sports person is, you can't become good at something if you're not disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I knew yep. I could not eat breakfast and just go cold turkey doing that. I've I've never drunk coffees or caffeine in the morning and stuff anyway. So just waking up and cutting out orange juice and cutting out milk or whatever in yeah. the morning, that was pretty easy to do. So yeah, I just I knew I could do something that was kind of disciplined and I was good at making myself do the sit-ups. I'm not going to go, oh, well, I haven't done my sit-ups yet. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. No, that's so, not that's not your type of yeah, your personality. So, right. It meant I could actually, and I think once you start seeing the weight come off. Oh, you're so committed. Now motivated. all of a sudden you're like, well, actually this is working. I'm going to keep right, doing it. Right, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. So, but then you get to a point where obviously you can't get lighter, but yeah. you're now going to start getting stronger. So your yeah. weight will go up a bit, and, yep. and but your body shape changes. So I lost yep. I lost two inches around the waist, two inches around the chest, and like an inch and a half around the stomach and stuff. So, I mean, it gets expensive because you have to start tailoring all your clothes. You but. need to get new clothes. That's right. That's <laughs> but, right. But no, all of a sudden I felt so much better, but the big thing I was I was getting injured mm. and I would my calves kept popping and uh you know 25 30 pounds even when people say they're carrying an extra 10 pounds you, you put 10 Gatorade bottles in a bag and carry it and feel how heavy that is yeah. every time you try and do a springing action that's 10 pounds your muscles are doing and, yeah. and that's, they're not designed for that and so, you're doing a lot of springing action exactly yeah. so <laughs> my I was the whole Top Gun thing. My my ego was doing things my body couldn't do anymore, mm. and uh, so I was still thinking I could get to these balls or play yep. with these kite guys at twenty years younger and run around and do this. And my body was saying, "Uh, uh-uh, not in the shape you're in right, right now." So, so I lost the weight, and since then I've not pulled anything. I've I mean, I'm injury free. Yeah. Um, and 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 it means I'm enjoying it again because when you when you're trying to play and you feel slow, you just, yeah, and you can't play anywhere near your level. And you're yeah, you just, you're used you, to you don't performing really enjoy it because you just one you know, way. You yeah. just think, oh, I used to be able to do this, and that's not a fun way to. You know, you can get older and slow down a bit, but you still want to feel like you're performing to your best ability. Yeah, that makes if sense. you're going to stay out there. So yeah, so it kind of maybe now play a bit more because I've now got things to sign up for, uh-huh. and then you go, and then obviously COVID hit, which. Uh, yeah. Everything you've signed up for is gone. So there then, it goes. <laughs> yeah, so it could have gone two ways. You could have said, okay, back to breakfast. Who cares? Nothing yep. to sign up for. But I, I stayed with the discipline of what I was eating, and I still don't do fried foods or anything like that. So I still eat pretty healthy. Yep. Um, you doing hill sprints? 
I actually was still doing hill sprints in the pandemic. I started doing that again. Um, when I was starting to lose the weight, I was part of the training stuff I was doing. So yeah. uh, I bought a Peloton. So oh, yeah. I get on the bike and then I like a lot of the classes off the floor too. Yep. Um, then Because before I bought that, I was going online, just YouTube and doing some hit classes and just sure. doing those downstairs. And you're kind of thinking, okay, well, I'm actually... I, it's actually a lot easier if I've got someone shouting at me. Yep, yep. The hill sprints I can still do, but doing it with the class, and you don't no, have to be in the room. Yep. It's just even if it's on a screen and they're shouting at me, I'm still disciplined enough not to walk away. Yes. But I need someone there just to. No, push me. that's exactly how I am. I mean, yeah. I am not a former professional athlete, but I've been an athlete all, all through school. And then after school, I just stayed very committed to fitness. Like, I don't think ever since I was maybe like nine that I've gone 10 days without a workout like ever right well, like you start feeling guilty if you haven't done it almost, don't you? You yeah start, right no exactly it but it's just now just so much a part of mm-hmm. like the ethos of who I am like today when I was talking about coming back from traveling I got all this anxiety going in my mind I'm like I need to work out like that is the only thing that I know that will make me feel better mentally is to go work out. But because I've done it, I've built this habit. It's not even an option for me to like say yes or no. When I entered the pandemic along with everyone else and had to transition to working out at home, I could do like a screen workout and do it five days a week in my carpeted living room because I've built that that muscle of like, no, you're going to not not a physical muscle, the mental muscle of like, you're going to do it. You're going right. to do it, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. But it is so much easier, like you said, at least have someone telling you what to do where I can come back at them versus me showing up and being like, okay, I'm going to do 25 lunges, then I'm going to do some bicep. You know, like that structured piece was helpful. Which is funny because I, I make classes for other people, but then yeah. when it comes to do it for myself... Right, no, it's totally different. I needed someone, yeah. So yeah. I think for anyone, yeah, anyone listening that's not got themselves into shape or isn't um, already active doing it... I think the uh, it takes about three to four weeks of you just gotta do consistently it. doing something daily to, for it to become a habit. Yep. You can't think I've done it for a week and it's going to be there. It's not. It takes three or four weeks of... Listen, you've got to do stuff you don't want to do over right. and over and over again. Which is where I found actually the cycle bar was great because by joining that and signing up for a class, you ha- yeah. I was committed to going. Absolutely. And it made me go down physically and do it, which instead of just joining a gym, I, I know how many people join a gym and then never use the membership. Yeah. So I think I think when you sign up and actually do classes, you're accountable because I agree. you do turn up. Yep, and I agree. I think that's a good way to help people get going initially. And that's once you get to that part right. where you don't need that anymore, yep. well, then you can do it at home. Or, yeah. I mean, I actually quite like being on my bike at home because I can just go straight upstairs and shower. I don't have to like get in the car all sweaty or right. worry oh, about... Oh, no, it's so nice, it's, yeah. Yeah, so then it's actually quite nice working from home. But, but even after all those years of showing up for myself over and over again, it's still... like I will typically run the Nippert Stadium stairs with a group of people on on Sunday. And that is an accountability thing too, right? Like you tell people you're going, you show up. Well, mm-hmm. I went back on my word the last weekend and I said I was going to come and I didn't come. I had I had a lot of any excuse, people visiting from out of town, yada, yada. Anyways, I didn't show up. And so this past weekend, I was going to be traveling on Sunday. So I wasn't going to be there again. And I was like, then I have to go on my own on Saturday morning. Like I have to show and no one else is going to be there to see me do it or like hold me accountable. And it was like almost of like, I have to do this for myself. Like I, I messed up that last weekend. This is my redemption, right? Like I got to show up and do it again. And it's still though, I mean, I went and I did it, but 
it was hard to get there. Yeah, and, and, and it's easy to sort of say, oh, maybe I won't do this last set. Yep. And, you, and you can wimp out a lot more when yep. there's not everyone else there. And even if it's slow the last set, when everyone else is there, you do it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, working out with other people is, no, it's great. is definitely a good thing. It's great. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the shoes. How do they come to be? I'm looking at them now. They're very cool. Yeah, the, was... the concept of... I mean, these are court shoes, though, right? They're not just pickleball. Right. So we're actually... Well, we're, we're, we're trying to get one specific for pickleball Specific. for the outdoor courts as well this one this one is good for any court sport indoors whether it's racquetball badminton anything on an indoor gym wood floor would i don't be have perfect. no idea what badminton is but we don't, uh, we will go um, on that another day <laughs> then uh yeah because this is very much designed for lateral movements and sideways uh-huh. movements so wear running shoes obviously designed heel to toe yeah repetitive cycle movements um these shoes are designed for stop start quick turning lateral where you don't want to roll your ankle you've okay. got to have lots of side support and and what happened is squash is a, a small sport there's 380,000 people playing in america uh, about 22 million around the world mm-hmm. so numbers sound decent but when you're someone like nike or adidas they're not going to make a squash they yet. don't care about us yeah <laughs> so so what squash players were doing a lot was trying to find a shoe that just worked. Uh-huh. And this is the same for pretty much anyone that plays a core sport. And so we, uh, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, there was a lot of high techs and they're known for making police hiking boots and police boots, mm. but they happened to be in sports shoes for a bit. Um, when I first moved here, Prince made an okay one, but a lot of racket manufacturers don't make good court shoes because mm-hmm. they're focusing on rackets or they make much more money on that than they do on shoes. Yeah because they know everyone's wearing Nike and Reebok and everything else. So ASICS has been the shoe for the last probably 10 years or so, maybe a bit longer, that uh, a lot of squash players have been using. And the trend in shoes for the last, well, it's been probably now for the last five, six years at least, has been to get these really lightweight, attractive designs, Mm -hmm. really nice-looking shoes, very lightweight. Yeah. But they've got absolutely no support. And no, not certainly for not feet. for lateral movement. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's some great designs and all these yeah. like now computerized designs that they've done when it used to be, you know, straps were all there for support. So yeah. we've gone back to more straps on the shoes that give you the support that you need. So everything on the shoe is actually serving a purpose, not really as a cosmetic design. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we were having some issues getting ASIC products. There was a um, some legal issue going on with ASICS US and ASICS mm. Global and there was so there was no product in the country Adidas weren't making a shoe of any sort really at that point and they come in with one every now and then um, so we were all of us pros were like well I, there's nothing I want to wear yeah how am I supposed to get something in my pro shop to right. give it to my members? My members are all saying, oh, what shoes should I be wearing? And right. I'm like, I don't know. There's nothing yeah. out there. So me and my uh, partner, who's the pro at uh, in St. Louis, we uh, we were having a glass of wine, commiserating on how both of our pro shops all are just good ideas. getting stuck. Start with the glass is, of wine. Start with yeah. a glass of wine, yeah. <laughs> so by the second bottle, uh-huh. yeah. we convinced <laughs> ourselves that maybe we could do this as uh, we, maybe we should try and bring out our own shoe. Wow. So then we uh, we started searching different things and companies where or just sites where companies can make them and we started off looking in the US and it's just there's really not much production of any sort going on in the US. Yeah. So right. we then were forced to look at Mexico, look at Vietnam, yeah. look at Indonesia. Yeah. So we ended up 
finding somewhere in China that could make them. And, and there's so much textiles made there that mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't by choice, but it becomes down to almost necessity. Yep. So we would send samples backwards and forwards and we would get sent these samples and they look good in the picture. Sure. And they you could just bend them backwards double. They were just terrible shoes. And there's no way we can put our name on these. This isn't going to work. But this is what other manufacturers was, were starting to put out because this is what these factories were making. It's, yeah, what you have to do. And, and they were just terrible. So we uh, we kept sending what we wanted and why we needed this for lateral support and power strike bars and all mm-hmm. sorts. So four years in, we eventually... Four years. Four years of samples going backwards and forwards, um, play testing. I mean, it was funny. We actually got samples where we'd see one on a picture and it had this silver piece on the bottom that we thought was now a plastic kind of stability bar that we'd been asking for. The sample turned up and it was just painted silver and it was still <gasps> a piece of foam that you could bend backwards. And, oh my gosh. And you're thinking, oh, that was another $100 sample. Another yeah, and then you're like, okay, right, things. another two months to get the next sample. Oh, it was, it was, it's a horrible process. It's, I mean, for anyone trying to produce something, from scratch it really it is. sounds like it sounds impossible to me like i wouldn't even dream to do it no matter how many bottles yeah. of wine you gave me because it seems just impossible so we were about three years and there was one that came across that was okay and it it was to a point where we were like well this is okay and my partner he really wanted to put it out he's like let's just and i said you know if to be honest if the ASIC shoe was sitting right next to it. I would still prefer oh, that shoe. Oh, there you go. So I'm like, so I can't sell something that I don't believe in or yeah. I wouldn't want to wear as much as a competitor shoe. So we stayed with it again and we eventually, after four years, bought out our first shoe, um, which was a white white model for red, white, and blue. Yep. And um, that one was, was good. We went to the squash world because we knew if we haven't got it quite right, we know all these people. They're R and D. Yeah, they're going to give us a second chance when we come out because we're going to take all their feedback to right. make make a really good product. So we took everyone's feedback from all the pros, from everyone that's been using them, and that's when we developed the blue shoe that I'm wearing now. That's um, the uh, the Bio Force X, and it's it's the best shoe I've worn. I mean, it's yeah. fantastic. Oh, that's and, so uh, great so, that you so get now, to create the best shoe that you've worn. Right. So yeah. then, and what happened is I went over, say, to China. Once we got all this R&D from the white shoe, went over there. Uh, I was saying so many meetings with you know, translators and, you, and you're out there. So you've got to get as much done while you can while you're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what made the big difference because you could feel the materials. You could yep. see the soul. So you, you didn't have to send all these samples backwards and forwards. So that's what led to the blue shoe. And now we're, uh, we've are we got this black and lime green one. We've yeah. got a purple and gold one coming out. So we've got some other couple couple of colors coming. But, uh, yeah. Where's the name come from? So, B-Dog, we started off as Bayer Sports. And Bayer is the Greek goddess of force, power, and attitude. She's also Nike's sister. So, she would go into battle, win the battle, then Nike's the goddess of victory, and she would claim victory. This is a great story. Um, So, we were looking for something short, close to the start of the alphabet. Yeah. Because, obviously, don't want to buy a shoe with Z. By then, everyone else has gone and bought something else. Right. So, we were looking for something short and catchy. Very smart. And, uh, but then we, we only had a .us, not a .com. And, uh, we're looking at partnering right now with a, a pickable company, Pickable Rocks. Uh-huh. And they've got a lot of support, a lot of followers, and he's a big marketing guy. And, uh, so he really could do with the .com. And, uh, so another bottle of wine was opened uh-huh. as we sat down <laughs> and <laughs> tried to, try to think about what we could do next. Um, and it, when you start looking at names and trademarks 
and everything together, it's really actually quite difficult to just come up. I with know something. by now, there's, I mean, people have had a lot of ideas. For everything, yeah. yeah. So, so bulldog was. I've got a French bulldog, and uh, I took him to one of the pickleball events that we were selling the shoes, and he sold more of the shoes than we did. He, right, because everyone came over to see my little Frenchie. He was a puppy then, and right. No, so, you were lamenting at yeah, the event, Athleta, uh, that you didn't Athleta, have your I dog. Should have bought yeah. my Frenchie <laughs> along, yeah. So my French is Python. So uh, he uh, he came over. Um, was getting all this feedback of, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe we should call it Bulldog. So we looked at Bulldog, couldn't do that. That was no, taken. It exists, so yeah. we shortened it to B Dog. Uh, and since my my partner, he's now bought a little Frenchie puppy oh, now too. They were just playing this last weekend. So we've we both got French Bulldogs. So this next one's going to be the Bulldog. Is going to be the name of the shoe. From, oh, from, nice. So we've now rebranded to B Dog Sport, and uh, then we'll start having maybe themes from my say my puppy puppy's name's python so that probably be the name of one of the shoes and we'll start i love that some, i love that having some fun so so where are you selling them like where can people go and check them out and buy them if they're interested in so right now we just shoes. have our website which yeah. is uh bdogsport.com um, we will be partnering up with pickable rocks in the near future but we're we're trying to get the couple of extra colors in so we've got more than just the one color we have right now because yeah. it's just the supply chain right now. You mean everyone's hearing supply oh, chain, supply chain, supply I chain. No, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. So the cost of shipping just to get them here, it cost us around five thousand dollars just in shipping for the first wow. lot, for our, just for our first lot. So that was what was normal because you got a container from China, then you got to truck it across from LA. Shipping cost right now for the same quantity of product is up to about thirty thousand dollars. <gasps> You're kidding? No, and these boats are sitting out in outside LA in the water for a month, two months, because they can't get to shore because there's no one that can unload them. So they're obviously charging massive amounts for these containers because no one can unload them and they can't reuse these containers. So so it's all been passed on. So yeah. Everything is very difficult right now. Yeah. Everything, uh, very difficult. Yeah. So (laughs) while we're trying to go back to normal exercising and doing everything and whether people are wearing masks or not, we're trying to kind of get back to normality. This it's going to catch up with us. All the oh, supply chain absolutely. stuff of, of the products that we're buying are all going to be going up a lot because it's yep. going to, it's going to, it could cost us fifteen dollars a shoe more just to get them here. Yep. yep. So obviously that's going to have to get passed on to the consumer. So yeah, it's that's that's a bit of an issue of how long so it might take us six months to get the next shoe rather than three months like the first mm. one. So, but you're sticking but, with it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We uh, I mean, we believe in the shoe. It's super comfortable, and uh, literally, you take them straight out of the box and put them on. I had a fun story at nationals. We just turned up, and as a, you know, professional sports people, we're really picky about our rackets, our strings, sure. everything. You, you want to know what your string tension is and get it right before you're going to go to a tournament because all this stuff makes a difference, like how you grip it and everything. I mean, it takes you a while to – if I'm going to change a grip, I mean, that, that's a – that's a momental moment for me to have, like, to change my to style of racket. I, I can like absolutely this. imagine. Whenever I get new running shoes to wear, I'm, like, nervous right. about it. Yeah, and then when they <laughs> stop making the ones you've had before, you're yeah, like, oh, I had to go no. through that. I was buying, like, the worst terrible, yeah. like, re- reject colors that no one liked because I just needed that shoe. Right. And eventually they run out. And, and for us, color's never been so much of an issue because you used to just get what you could that was yeah. the right thing for as a pro. So I, I had put these on. And I had two other pros. We're playing at Nationals in Minneapolis. This was the weekend before shutdown. And this is when my shoes turned up, the weekend before shutdown. So mm-hmm. I've now got a warehouse of shoes. Sure. And the whole world shuts down. And no one's playing squash. That was great. Yeah. So, But I, we go to this tournament. And I gave two of the other pros a pair of my shoes. And uh, we played our first round match. And we all played in the shoes. 
which is unheard of because you always break your shoes in. You never just go out and play. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the match, I'm saying to them, so, so what do you think of the shoes? And they said, well, I've never even noticed we had them on our feet. Which wow. is the best compliment the you best can really compliment. say to a shoe. For sure. So, so our really our slogan is is performance straight out of the box because you just don't <gasps> have to it. break them in and yep. they're just super comfortable. Which you know, think of tennis shoes, you have to really break them in and stuff. So, so we're trying to work on one right now as well with have a, a really durable harder sole because um, pickable players we found are a little bit psychotic. Oh. So. In what way? So uh, a squash player, and it comes down to partly the hours, I guess, but a squash player, because you're burning 1,000 calories an hour. Yes. If you play three times a week for an hour, well, that's pretty good going. Mm -hmm. That's only 12 hours a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm spending, what, 120 hours a year on the court, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, so those shoes are going to last you. A pickleball player, they're playing four to five times a week. Oh, the pickleball players. Two to three hours a day. Right. Uh, right. At least. So they're putting... They're know, like nonstop. People putting, start playing that sport and they don't ever want to stop. It's crazy. They're putting yeah. 15 hours a week into the shoes. So within a month, they've done 60 hours. In two months, they've done 120 hours, which is the same as a squash player in a year. Yeah. And they're wondering why shoes are starting to wear out a little bit. And you're like, well, you just put so many hours into those things. Mm-hmm. So and you're running around and dragging your feet everywhere. I mean, it's rubber. So so we're looking at developing a few different things right now. Um, we've got a couple of exciting ideas. Oh, cool. Um, one could be really kind of cool and revolutionary if, if we can get the right designer, but we're, we're trying to, uh, we're really exploring bringing it back to the US, trying to find someone that can produce, even if they don't produce court shoes right now, trying to encourage someone to help mm. us start doing it because if the shipping costs stay like this with China, if the shoe costs us twice as much now to make it, it wouldn't actually be an issue because we wouldn't be spending all the container fees. Right, right. So it's... it's and that pickleball market... It's hot right now. For so, um, I know uh, before the pandemic there was about two point one, two point two million people playing pickleball. Uh, the last numbers I heard was it was pushing five million now. I mean, I'm I was it's one of those nuts. people. Yeah, I'm one of them. I I'd, I'd never yeah. played it before. <laughs> I I used to make fun of it. I was like, it's for old people and no one exercises. Right, exactly. But you get out there, you're sweating partly because it's, it's hot, I think. But it, but you but you I it's run around fun. a lot. It's really fun. And it's like really and like social. we talked about, right? Like you yeah. can easily pick it up. Play it's with really anyone. fun. You can play with anyone. Yeah. It, for me, it was like I hadn't had that feeling of a team camaraderie sport or like even the act of like scoring points like I hadn't right. done that and for for so long and it is really fun to get back I think it's it. here to stay as well I think it's I think uh, so. like racquetball was huge over here in the 80s yeah um, and that's really dying off and, and there's still people to play obviously but it's it's that's really struggling no this is the sport. new wave and squash is building and growing because colleges a lot of I mean also in all the ivies and squash courts are going in around mm-hmm. the country but uh, but pickleball is just not yeah. only is it just exploding everywhere and facilities being built, it's just such a fun game that the yeah. whole family can play together. You right. can play with anyone from different age groups, different genders. It just has no impact. Yeah. And it's just fun. So yeah. I think I think it's here to stay. And I think it's... Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to get a couple of shoes that really work for it. And yeah, hopefully, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, hopefully we become a well-known brand would be the I idea. I certainly so. hope so. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so Nathan, what does being fit mean to you so fit to me is is more about um i think it's a mind as much as mm. as anything because you can look at someone that looks very well built out in the gym and they've got bulging muscles or whatever mm-hmm. but they might not be able to run 100 meters down the street so you can be cardio fit you could be muscle fit there's there's different ways of how you perceive yourself 
as wanting to be fit. If you want to look good in a swimsuit and be, you know, forget leg day and you think you've got sure. a good upper body, that's yeah. great. If that's what makes you feel good about you. And yep. I think that's the big thing is it's what makes you feel good about yourself. Yes. And um, I had to say when I was in the Philippines, I felt so self-conscious. And that's not something that everyone should really feel about their body or want to feel about their body. And, you know, there's lots of different body shapes. Yeah. Shapes, types that some people are never going to be... Exactly. Sticks. Some people are never going to be can't yep. put weight on. You have people right. looking both ways, and there's some people trying to put weight on, and so you have you have it going both ways. But you knew what, like your. But I was definitely like, feeling self conscious, yeah. and uh, yeah, just walking around the house, I'd want to keep a shirt on, and yeah. you know, uh, rather than actually going to bed and take your shirt off just right. so someone sees me, you know, <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. Looked in the window or something. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So I think for me, it's more about um, self confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also about knowing that. If I'm traveling and I'm going to somewhere and I need to climb up the Eiffel Tower, I'm healthy enough that I can do it. And I'm not missing out on things I'd like to do because I'm not healthy enough or fit enough to do it. Right. Uh, and I love traveling. I've, so I've been to so many countries that... you got to you know, keep going. you got to keep up. I did a 5K kind of just across the top of the China. Wow. And it's, it's steep. It's hard going up and down that it's, thing. Yeah, so I bet. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're in shape and you... It just makes those things so much more enjoyable because I was actually interesting. I was, I was on the Great Wall. And this this couple were doing it that were in their, I'd say probably late 60s, and uh, not in shape, but they've gone to China and you could see they clearly wanted to do it. Right. And they were struggling, and you could see it just looked painful. I know, I've seen that. And as much as I'm sure they're going to look back at the pictures and go, that was great, are they really going to enjoy the experience? I've seen people Uh, really struggling. Yeah, yeah. I think they've probably been pain the whole time, and who knows if they've twisted their knees and what they've done, what repercussions it's done afterwards. So you got to stay fit for life, for doing life, for doing the things that you enjoy. Right, and I think it's finding something you enjoy. So like pickable, it's a sport Mm -hmm. for life. Squash is a sport for life. You've got these games that are sports for life, like running is something you can do at any age. So there's all these different things, I think, is finding something that you enjoy. Yep. Because I think trying to stay fit just to say, I look good or staying fit, but you don't enjoy it, that's going to become an uphill battle. That's that's tough. Yeah, and you're so, not going to be able to sustain it. So for yeah. me, I think um, it's, it's having fun doing it. So it's got to be enjoyment involved. Um, I'm, I'm not competitive when it comes to like if I lose at cards or whatever I'm not going to be sure upset but you're I'm also a professional athlete so I'm right. having a little bit of a hard time believing that <laughs> I know everyone thinks I'm really competitive but I'm but, it, but it's one of those but I'm not going to play to lose so mm-hmm. if if the rules of monopoly is to do this well I'll, I'll try and play to win I'm not going to yeah. deliberately try and lose right but if I lose I'm not throwing my pieces across the room and getting all you're, upset yeah because, you're a good sport because you understand you can't win every time yeah and yeah. so you actually but so when I'm playing pickleball, yeah, I'm not going to deliberately lose with my partner. Right. But if we go home and I won everything, I'm not going. Oh yeah, look at me, I won. You so, right. I so totally it's, so get it's, it. It's, but it's fun. This, yeah. Just having some scoring in there makes it fun for me. Yeah. I know some people don't obviously like the, that competitive edge at all. So running or biking or something's more to their mm-hmm. their desires. But um, I like having a score in there. Just just add something to it yeah I agree. The, I agree but it has to be the social and then I think if you're doing that I think you can then really feel good about yourself yeah it's all come back to that right it is Feeling it's, it's mental back. mental well-being I think you sleep better mm-hmm. uh, I mean I get in the hot tub after long days of being on the court body's fatigued gosh I wish I had a hot tub I get tub. in the hot tub I stretch I get relaxed but I feel good about my day and I'm, it doesn't mean I'm not sore the next day yeah but it's great 
And yeah. I, I'm definitely going to be doing that tonight after playing this tournament this weekend. Oh, I, yeah, I, was, I, I was struggling to walk up your stairs there. My, I, my, <laughs> it's a little stiff. <laughs> I, I, I hear that. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting some rest too. I've, I've got a, a little bit of a competition myself coming up this weekend. So I need to like really get into gear this week too. But Nathan, I really appreciate you coming on. You've taught me so much about squash. We're now sitting in the dark. We started recording <laughs> when the sun was was certainly out and now it's, it's night so I feel like this is appropriate time to wrap it up I really appreciate you coming up you've taught me a lot about squash you're an incredibly impressive athlete oh, it's been a lot of fun coming on thank you for having me of course okay one more time where can people find the shoes so it's B-Dog Sport uh, singular S there's no S it's bdogsport.com go out um, there yep. get started with pickleball get your shoes yeah yeah and thanks have fun so much. yeah and have fun of course thanks guys <laughs>